Hello, and welcome to episode two of the highs and lows of NFTs. If you've listened to episode one and you're back for more, I just want to say thank you. If you're new to our podcast, we're focused on interviewing prominent figures in the NFT space to understand more about their personal journeys, how they stay sane in a fast-moving world, and what continues to excite them about the space, even in downturns like we're experiencing today. In episode two, we are talking with Drew Austin, who is a managing partner at Redbeard Ventures and a co-founder of the Knights of DGen NFT project. Drew has been a serial entrepreneur in the tech space for more than a decade and has been involved in crypto since 2013 and NFTs since 2018. We cover a lot of ground from building an NFT project team to the future of an immersive experience like metaverses and how to invest with conviction. Without delay, let's get into it. Drew, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm uh, busy and active and there's a lot going on, so it's an exciting time. It is certainly an exciting time for the space. It's also an interesting time for the space. We'll, we'll dive into some of that. It actually takes me right into my, my first question. I think, you know, I've heard uh, you say that you started buying NFTs in like the 2016, 2017 timeframe, which means you were years ahead of the quote unquote early crowd. Can you just kind of describe high level your journey into crypto and NFTs? Yeah, I mean, so uh, well, first my first NFT purchase was 2018 on Super Rare. That was my uh, that was my first purchase. But I got into crypto around 2013. Um, you know, I remember my first Bitcoin transaction. I had I was I was back in my hometown in Long Island, and uh, I literally went with a buddy. We drove and met this guy, handed him cash, scanned a QR code. It was like I was buying drugs. It was like it was like I was literally getting weed off the guy, and um, and we like went to the same spots we would get weed in college and high school. And it was just like, and it was funny. We just got, that was the first transaction. There was no easy way. I think we used like localbitcoins.org or something to get to get it. Anyway, so that was the entrance for me. Uh, next few years, I got really into the, into the crypto space. But I've been a collector of things my whole life, whether it's like action figures or memorabilia or autographs or sports cards. So the idea of collecting things came super natural to me and super, you know, it was like, it was very, um, it was an easy thing to kind of process. So I started looking for something like like NFTs, you know, right away when I started reading about crypto. So I was like, you know, I was reading about colored coins, which were the first like way they would describe NFTs back in the day before NFTs really came out. And then uh, finally, I found out about Super Rare, which was one of the leading first art marketplaces. And, um, and I bought my first piece of art and I felt every bit of like true ownership and excitement of owning a piece of art and in like feeling the investment in an artist and the fact that it was so transferable, those feelings, um, you know, just made me realize, holy shit, this is the future. Yeah. And by all means, so you kind of been looking at yourself and your background, it seems like you've been basically an entrepreneur since day one, trying to always think about what is next. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm interested in the evolution of when you found super rare and then basically when everyone else kind of had in mainstream NFTs today found NBA top shot, how did that experience like from what friction there was buying NFTs back in, in super rare days to what top shot provided top shot deserves all the credit in the world for this entire to, in my opinion, for this whole NFT movement, I mean, you could even say the team was real was credited back to their Crypto Kitty days. But, but, but I think Top Shot was really. I've been preaching crypto to my friends since 2013, um, and it took till 
December 2019, January 2020, or maybe it was 20. When did Top Shot really take off? It was 1920? 2021. Yeah. So anyway, whatever it was, it was like Jan. I remember I, I was like, it was like January of maybe it was 20 or maybe it was 2021. I don't even remember now. Yeah, uh, it's so uh, hard to keep years straight. Yeah. But yeah, I think right before 20, I think January 21 was when basically a lot of people started to get into Top That's Shot it. and kind of understand right. it. You're right. So it was, it literally took um, Top Shot to actually wake up my friends and start to realize, oh, this is really interesting because they understood sports. They understood card collecting. And it that was a very easy, um, it was a very easy connection for them to make instead of like this whole digital currency component. Um, it was able to make sense, process a lot easier. So, you know, I was buying Top Shot moments in October, you know, August, September, October, November. So I was loading up with a really, you know, early and pretty strong portfolio. Ultimately, I was probably top, I think I'm still probably top 50, top 100 in the world in terms of like top shot portfolio because I was getting in early. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was really just about like finding these different platforms and projects and getting early conviction that these were like I've had three moments when it came to NFTs that really transformed my, my view of the space. It was the first piece of art I bought on Super Air, the first pack I opened on NBA Top Shot and the first horse race uh, I won on Zed Run. Those three moments um, really were those moments where I was like, there's just, there's no turning back. It's, it's inevitable. Like the feeling of digital ownership is the future. We're not going further away from a global society or a digital society. So the fact that these experiences are so relatable and transferable to the things you've experienced in the real life, but are so much more accessible um, and so much more scalable, it just makes obvious sense. So that was really my early NFT experiences that kind of took me on a trajectory of just going all in eventually. And the elimination of the friction that the physical market provides where digital, you don't experience any of that friction just makes a ton of sense. And three epic, epic experiences there between, you know, a one-of-one -one art piece on Super Rare and NBA Top Shot pack, which, you know, we've come to know that people will open NFT packs all day long. So that's just a great experience. And yeah, Zed Run would just such a, such a really cool, unique uh, yeah. product that the team at Zed is, is building. So maybe let, let's jump into, into Knights of D-Gen. Can you just just give us the elevator overview for someone who who doesn't know what Knights of Degen is. I mean, it started with a you know me and my buddy Jared. Um, we both are tech founders that have recently sold our companies. I sold Wade and Wendy, which was an AI enterprise software company doing recruitment process automation. I sold that company. He sold Thusio to Triller. I sold uh, Wade and Wendy to uh, Pendologic, and uh, we came together and we were like, it was like the heart of the pandemic, and or you know around that time period. And I'm and we're saying. We're in these chat groups with our friends, and all we basically talk about all day is what sports are we betting on? What NFTs are we buying? What crypto are we investing in? What stocks are we playing? Like, we just wanted to speculate on anything we could speculate on and, and share alpha and share ideas. And, um, you know, what we, we said, like, that is a really interesting premise of shared interests to build an NFT community around. Um, so from there, we started to target a, a really a really strong team, and to me, that was the the foundation for everything we've done so far. Was we built this really complementary team of unique skills that enabled us to really kind of kind of do whatever we needed to execute, which was like, you know, we brought in Peter, who's our lead engineer, our CTO. He's just you know absolutely incredible. You know, he's every one of our drops have been epically smooth. Blake Jameson was the, you know, voted number one sports artist in the world, has experience on NFTs, 100,000 plus followers, like huge background. Jack Settleman, probably like the voice of the sports, like of the sports fan for the Gen Z kind of audience. And 
um, you know, and Clay, who's been involved in, you know, he's running our marketing and Brendan, who's had a BD at Pinterest. Like, so we got these, we had this just great, uh, you know, Mike O'Day, who's working with Blake and uh, as Blake's manager. And then we brought in some great advisors that come in with different types of influential backgrounds, like Cynthia Froyland from NFL Network, um, Shara Senderoff, who comes from a venture background, uh, Ja Rule, obviously, with entertainment background, and um, uh, Jerry Ferraro, with his also entertainment background. So we brought these advisors on, we put this team together. And uh, from there, it just became, it, you know, it started with an NFT project. And but we have this vision of building this kind of like web three sports and entertainment empire. And what that enabled us to do was kind of be broad enough to be able to tackle opportunities um, and build businesses that that ultimately correlate and expand our brand. So the way we've the way we've kind of like the way I kind of almost liken this now is it's almost become somewhat of like a venture studio in a way where we we're constantly spinning up new projects, businesses, and initiatives that ultimately do one of three things: increase the value or bring in revenue to the business, um, uh, like drive awareness and new content opportunities, or and uh, facilitate utility and fun for the uh, for the uh, community. And across those three pillars, that's how we evaluate these opportunities. And um, that's led us to build it to in to acquire a fan controlled football team to uh, invest in the Wagme United um, NFT soccer club that we're you know we're investors in and have now acquired and now now own and run, <laughs> which is a crazy experience in itself. We're like fucking Ted Lasso, and then um, and then you know on top of that we bought land and we're starting to build out land in three different metaverses. We are we have five shows across our network that are like uh, Fight Night and Yan and uh, a Yankee show and a Knicks night and a and a, and a night's a dj and like round table show we just have all these different shows um fan-controlled football show so we're building out all these different assets and platforms and it's enabling us to kind of just continue to expand what we're what our what our vision is and our vision really is to create these like opportunities for our whole community and ecosystem to contribute and work and participate in the building of this brand and like that to us is really at the foundation of all of this what we realize is the common one of the most common traits amongst our community is this kind of like entrepreneurial spirit um and although we have these interests of sports and speculation at the foundation it's really like that speculation of you know there's a there's a common trait between speculators and entrepreneurs which is a willingness to take risk and a willingness to bet on themselves and I think that that's really what we found is this common, this common characteristic amongst our audience. And we started opening up each of our projects and initiatives to community participation in order to really kind of build out our decentralized muscle. The participation levels have been just through the roof and it's enabled us to scale our bandwidth to handle more business activities. And that's kind of now what we got going on. I can tell in your voice, like the amount of excitement that this kind of stuff brings to you and, yes. and you sort of rattled off an incredible team. One, you know, in the space these days, a doxed team is sort of everything. So you guys obviously had that doxed team. And, and I think I heard the last spaces that you guys had, you have about 12 people working full time on this, plus an entire community that is willing yeah. to put time, effort and energy into this. What's been kind of your favorite part at putting together this team that is working on this endeavors full time? Honestly, the, the, so the thing about when, when I said, so the interesting thing is, and I think this is the most fascinating part of Web3 in general. So the word full time, like it's a very, it's like, a, it's vague in a way. Because listen, I put in, must be 40 hours a week on tonight's a DGen, but I also have other jobs as well. So there's other sure. people 
So does the rest of our team. So the cool thing about this is that we can bring in great talent at like, which you would have very, had so much trouble recruiting in the past because they have to be full time. They can only work on this. They have to have, you know, job content with this. And, you know, it was much more structured and rigorous in the web two world where here it's like, Hey, can you contribute? Can you participate? You got the bandwidth? Let's go. And um, that's been a really amazing way to, to bring people into an ecosystem without the traditional barriers of like the recruiting process and the interview process and all this like rigor. It's more about what can you bring to the table and like go produce and then you're a part of this. Like that's what it's about. And that happens at the community level and our core team and all of this stuff. It's like, can you deliver? Great. Do you, do you kind of have the same ideals and values and mission and you're on the same side? You want to build something that's like really going to bring new people into the space and, and power the space and be like a kind of a thought leader. Then that's kind of what we've been able to gravitate and bring people to. So that's been great. But the, the coolest thing I've seen so far, to be perfectly honest, which just blows my mind, is just the level of community participation. It's like, you know, it's, it's really, uh, there's no world where we can do this without the government, like without the participation from the community. And they have a vested interest in seeing this succeed because we're all in this together with like, you know, that same kind of goal of growing the, growing the value of this brand and its, and its assets within it, you know, ultimately lending itself to where our, our long-term, not long-term because it's a near-term goal, which is our, is to ultimately decentralize the organization, turn it into a fully operating DAO and tokenize the business where the current Currency of our whole ecosystem of opportunities and projects and initiatives is powered by the DGEN token. And that's ultimately our vision. And it's awesome to hear you continue to hit on and say value creation, because I think that's where, you know, things have gone wrong in the past and, and can go wrong when you think of this, this world in terms of value and value created and value provided. That's when you can get this great path of what, what Web3 can provide for ownership of your assets. Um, and, and I think someone someone hitting on value is so, so, so crucial. No, I think people beat around the bush too much. At the end of the day, that's what we're doing here together. We're all in this like our vision here is like, and our, I think our like underlying mission, it kind of comes back to this idea that like, we have all these people that are coming from all walks of life that like want to work on things that they're passionate about. And they want to be able to earn and have financial freedom to do the things that they love. We are, you know, we got, we have people joining our team from all areas with all different backgrounds. I got a high school teacher that now works full time with us. We had like a, you know, all these different types of, they are just passionate about NFTs, Web3, sports, and they want to find a way that they can contribute. So like this platform that we're building is supposed to be meant for people to be able to leverage their skills in a variety of different ways, participate, contribute to doing work that they love, and then earn from that work. And that's the whole foundational pillar of what we're doing here. And that's why to me, it's all about, um, you know, the more of these opportunities and platforms we create, the more opportunities it gives people to contribute. We never want to paint uh, uh, paint with rose-colored glasses. Let's talk a little bit about like what do you see as some of the biggest challenges and hurdles, maybe that you guys have already gone through, or or some of the things that you see sort of in the in the near future that an NFT company faces given kind of current climate. Yeah, the hardest I think the two hardest things are one is that you know this space gets very focused on price on what is your price, what is the the, the price today. You know we like they get it's very easy to get lost in short-term thinking, and we have a long-term focus team. So there, that could, that could contradict from the, the, the fear, like the fears and risks and concerns of a community if the price isn't flying or going viral, where we're looking at it as like, hey, we want to build a foundation for long-term sustainability and long-term growth and long-term value creation. So 
we've kind of, we haven't had, in my opinion, the luck of we've had our viral moment. I don't think we've had that yet. We haven't had that experience that I think that we've created either enough awareness or like we, we have a lot of work to do in terms of continuing to tell our story. So people, cause like to me, I think we've out execute any other team in the space. I'll, I'll put us up against any single project out there and I, I'll put up the work we've done, the work we've produced, the projects we've created, the, just like the overall execution level, I'll put us up against any single project top to bottom um, out, you know, outside of to me, the, the dapper labs or the Zed runs that have, that are venture, sure. you know, organizations that have built different world, different world when it comes to money to be spent, when you're talking about those organizations, I'll put us up against any single NFT project, PFP project in the game. I'm talking to board apes, to doodles, to, to anyone. And I would say that our team is out executed. Now, what that means is that we have to do a better job educating the audience and somehow bringing people in so that we can, because at the end of the day, price does move the narrative. And price is a big part of allow, of getting people excited about our story. So we have to figure out how the things that we're doing drive awareness, which then drive price, which then enable us to do more things and tell more stories and get more, that kind of, that kind of cycle. Um, and that's what we're working on now. now. Now it's like we built, we feel like we built a good foundation and uh, have a good like um, process to our, uh, the way we work um, that now we can go out and truly focus on trying to market and tell the story. And so important to hit on the idea of execution, but what is the space today and what are consumers looking at and who do you need to get into your community? And like you said, price drives action. It drives awareness. It brings visibility to the execution. Whereas, you know, sometimes you can execute till you're blue in the face. And if no one's aware of the execution, then it's sort of like doing, doing something in your own bubble. Yeah, there's no doubt. And then there's like, you know, the other side of this is that there's just certain things you can't control, which is the general market. So like for us, like we try not to spend too much time worrying about where the price is on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis. Our focus is, are we doing everything, everything in our power to continue to execute on the initiatives that, that will drive more value and awareness and utility for this business? And if we do that, we think the rest of it will take care of itself. Love to hear that. Um, All right. So just switching topics a little bit here as someone who's obviously got personal investments in the space is running a venture capital company is nice a DGen co-founder and running his NFT company. I mean, you're just doing so many things. You have a team that's doing so many things. How do you disconnect, Drew? How do you sort of just take yourself out of the space for, you know, 20, 30 minutes at a time? How are you disconnecting? I mean, so disconnecting has gotten tough for me just because my my, the, my hobbies and passions have over the past you know 12 to 18 months have really blended with my work. You know, when I sold the HR tech company, went full time into venture capital and Web3 and NFTs and all this stuff, all of a sudden my whole world's merged. So, you know, disconnecting is kind of a different thing for me now. I think the easiest way I disconnect is through my kids. You know, I have a two and a half year old and a seven month old and like the way like they're not going to allow me to like not pay attention to them when they're in the room. So, you know, the nice thing is I think they're my disconnect moment and that's really been the best um, way for me to be able to be present in like personal family life. Cause you know, even like travel has become very, you know, you're, you're connected to your phone at all times. So it's like, it's very hard. It's harder than ever to disconnect, but I also, I'm not complaining because I love what I do. So like, as long as I can prioritize my family and make sure they're enjoying themselves and I'm, and I'm providing and I'm, and I'm present enough, (laughs) I think, uh, then I'm, then I'm okay with the rest. 
present enough is so, so, so spot on. I know my wife will love to hear present enough. Maybe I'll use that one on her the next time we're, the next yeah. time we're, uh, we're talking about this stuff. Um, and I'm recently just got back from vacation, right? Did I, did I see some of that stuff on social, correct? Correct. Yes, well, I was, well, I mean, so the, what I've been doing is I, I'm traveling for a lot of conferences. I've been speaking at a lot of events and then I try to extend them a little bit. And if I could bring my family, I will and turn it into a little bit of an extended vacation. So, you know, I was in, we had a, we were at the NFT pack. Paris conference and had a bunch of events there. We threw a Nights of Degen event and a Red Beard Ventures event. And um, and we just, you know, we spoke at the conference. But then after I was able to extend it an extra week and like go to South of France with the family and like get some time to, to like just kind of have a little bit of downtime and spend some time with the family. So that's been like a little bit of a strategy for me is like if I can bring the family on a trip and extend it and make it something more than, um, you know, when we went to Miami, I did the few days of conferences and then a few days with the family. So like that's been oper- that's been a good opportunity for me to be able to kind of do that that um, you know kind of disconnect if you will um, by leveraging a lot of the travel I'm doing for work and trying to extend an extra couple of days to make it a little to bring in a little family time. The family getting the travel experience, you yeah, getting exactly. to do both work and and not work and yeah. life in general. But the the concept, especially when like you said, the merging of passions, interests, what you'd be doing in your normal spare time with what you're doing for work now is definitely that concept of always working, but never working at the same time. So it's quite an interesting uh, way that Web3 can provide opportunities and and value to people who have interest and can now now own pieces of what that interest is. And that's exactly it. And that's what we want. I want people to have that same opportunity that I have right now. Like that's what I think Knights of DGEN provides as a platform for just that, that people can work on their passions, interests, and skills, be able to provide, to earn a living doing that and not feel like they're working because they enjoy what they do every day. Like, you know, like th- this is a really, in- we're rebuilding the internet from the ground up and that creates a lot of space for opportunity. And I think this is what, you know, what we, if we can provide a lot of that, that access and bridge, um, that would be pretty damn cool. All right. As someone who's been in this space for essentially basically at the beginning, I want to give some alpha. I want to get people inside of your brain. Can you give us any hot takes in five years? What will we look like? Any kind of thoughts about current market dynamics, projects, blockchains, any, any of that stuff, anything that's, that's a hot take. I think that, um, I think the next 12 months of the year of the Dow, um, I think the Dow, Dow infrastructure and, and everything that we're building to enable, um, to make more effective Dow creation is going to be critical this year because I think the rest of the next five to 10 years are going to be all built as, as there's going to be a lot of businesses built as Dow. So the infrastructure we lay now is really critical. I think that, you know, the next 12 months also, we're going to see a lot of shit play to earn games, but in the next 12 to 36 months, we're going to, that's going to be the biggest driver of new users into blockchain and web three. So uh, I'm excited for what's ha- what's, what's coming there. And I think that will, will also take the NFT market to an entirely new place because what we'll see is true native utility and organic utility for NFTs and the merging of DeFi and the merging of gaming and the merging of NFTs all come together in this play to earn gaming ecosystem. And I think that'll be a, a really transformative moment. And then ultimately five to 10 years is the metaverse. And like, I know people like that, that word gets thrown around a lot, but to me, I don't picture myself in five to 10 years from now 
doing what I'm doing right now, which is working on Zoom calls all day. I think we need to have a more immersive experience where we can work, socialize, and play with the people that we are, that we have built relationships with that live all over the world because we live in this globalized society now. So like, why am I stuck on a fucking Zoom call all day? Why can't I just be able to interact and go to a game and, and enjoy social experiences and have a beer and do all these things but from, the, from, from my home with someone who's across the other side of the world? So to me, that's where we're headed is this more immersive world, immersive digital world where cryptocurrencies are the financial under the financial like underlying infrastructure and financial in infrastructure of this this ecosystem and nfts are our assets of ownership and and um and that and then that the, the metaverses are the ones that are where we socialize and work and play and live so that said you know i you know i'm, I'm super bullish on some of the projects i've been seeing i love wilder world i think wilder world is epic um i think what they're doing that team is on the right track and doing incredible work um i also really like nft world right now i think that's a super interesting platform them and sandbox i think are doing some really interesting stuff but nft worlds i think could be one of the biggest drivers immediately of new users because of their open sourced um the open sourced uh, platform they've built on top of which is minecraft so to me that could be one of the biggest like drivers of new users and again anything that in my world, in venture investing in tech companies in the Web three space and everything, anyone who's doing more to drive adoption of Web three is like is I root for and I'm I'm all for. So um, I think they're they're doing something pretty cool and special. And um, yeah, I mean I, I love the Zed Run guys. I think they're I think like you know it's it's wild to have a startup be built in such a public setting with such public investors, if you will. Um, but you know the journey that they're on, the execution level, I think far exceeds what anyone else has done in the space from a gaming perspective to date and play to earn. And uh, I'm excited for their token and all the other stuff they have coming. And I think the gen, you know, my personal Genesis horse stable, I think will like will be like owning a sports team in the future. So um, I'm super bullish there. I think five to ten years from now, I'm, I'm going to be super excited to pass down my NBA Top Shot profile and Top Shot moments to my kid because I, I don't think they're going to be carrying around a binder of book of cards like I did when I was a kid. So I think that's going to be what they're holding on to and trading and buying and selling and having some of the OG cards in the space I think is going to be a really cool thing for them to be able to look back on and it'll be very hard to get in the future. I think people seem to get too focused in general about what's happening today when this is a startup, man. This whole world is a startup. We are building this from the ground up and you can't see past what's in front of you. You're just going to get left behind. Um, it's the same thing with CryptoPunks. Like you're asking me what's going to happen in five to 10 years from now. Like CryptoPunks are going to be part of the story of this space forever. You know, a lot of PFP projects will come and go, but CryptoPunks will be, will be in the textbook. And that textbook will be read in the metaverse and it'll be in the museums, et cetera. So, you know, I think that punks are really a big part of our narrative as well. It is epic to think about, I mean, what you said about metaverses is exactly how I feel about metaverses, because when you can create a more immersive experience, when you can put someone, you know, next to a person that is thousands of miles away or houses away, but still getting the experience of being together, it's an incredible thing and thought. So mm -hmm. yeah, I completely agree. Those companies that are creating that immersive or trying to create that next immersive experience are the ones that I, I believe will be, uh, will be making it, if you will. Yeah. I watched, uh, I went, uh, I was in VR and my buddy, I was up in Hudson Valley and my buddy was in New Jersey and we both sat front row to a, a boxing match or live watch boxing match. And it was just so nuts. It was like, you're like, holy shit, this is wild. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm turning to talk to him about the fight while I'm watching the fight. 
And you're just like, this is that this is crazy. Like this is obviously there's just a, this is a no-brainer for what's coming next. Like, yes, the technology still needs advancements. And by the time I was done, I was hot and nauseous and like, you know, I wasn't ready. I'm not ready to spend all day in there, that's for damn sure. But like you just know this is coming. It's not, it's an, it's, it's inevitable. The, I mean, again, it's talking, it's taking friction out of a marketplace where if you wanted to go to that boxing match, you're getting on an airplane, your buddy's getting on an airplane, you're meeting up somewhere, you're having a beer somewhere. And, and if you, if you have the opportunity to even remotely take out some elements of friction there, you're going to win long-term because people will do what is comfortable for them. And a lot of people just aren't going to get out of their comfort zones in certain times. So yeah, I think that's just a strong piece of advice. All right. As a New York sports guy. Who's the next New York team to win a championship? When is a championship coming back to New York and, and who's it going to be? Oh, man. I mean, listen, I pray the Knicks win a championship at some point. It's my favorite team in all of sports. And I'm, you know, I've still never seen a championship in my lifetime. So I, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I foresee one anytime soon. I have no idea what the hell our direction is anymore. So uh, I could just pray that maybe we get lucky and pick either a number one pick in the draft that re- revitalizes the franchise or finally a free agent grabs their freaking balls and says, hey, I'm going to take New York and, and, and carry them on my back. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm just looking for that. I would love to see a Knicks championship. I think the Giants are well set up. I think the Giants have a good – Have if they can stay healthy, they've been banged up the last few years. Um, but the Giants are well set up. I think I'm a believer in Daniel Jones. I'm not writing him off yet. You know, it really comes down to health and can these guys put it together and actually develop to live up to their expectations. But there's there's a lot of potential there, and they had a great draft, so that will be exciting to see. And I think, the, But I, ultimately, I think the Yankees are set up the most for the, champion, the near-term championship. A betting man, I think, is taking yeah. the Yankees. But yeah. I, I love the Giants call. Huge Saquon guy being a Penn State graduate. Think Saquon yeah. has as much talent as anyone at just trying to harness it and get it to, get it to be used. And it shows you how much of a team game that football really is when it comes it down does. to it it does yeah but all my life it's been the yankees and you know thankfully if i was just you know i feel bad for those knicks jets and mets fans because like they just had it rough like i've i've had some great sports experiences like i've i've won two amazing super bowls with the giants i've won god five six world five or six world series with the yankees like i've i've experienced what it's like to go to the ticker tape parades and win obviously the knicks are my number one team so i would love to experience that more than anything else but like it's hard to complain because i've had uh i've had a pretty good luck with the yankees and the giants but yeah there's nothing more i would like in the world right now than the next one championship it is pretty crazy how much sports can impact people's lives and bring people together and i think just incredibly bullish on entertainment and the the where sports are headed as well so um i I think we're two sports fans talking to each other which is a little bit echo echo chambery probably but man sports just have a way to move people Oh, no doubt about it. And that's why I've been so excited about fan-controlled football. We were talking about that earlier, but like, I I think fan-controlled football is bringing some new elements to sports that are just so incredibly exciting by bringing the fans into the game and creating decentralized governance and community ownership and um, participation at deep levels and interactivity. To me, I'm just like, that to me is the future of sports. And uh, I'm really excited about what they're doing. And I actually don't, I would, I would not be surprised if we find that some of the bigger leagues start to copycat some of the stuff that FCF is doing. Cause it's just so powerful. That makes so much sense to me because I don't know the numbers off the top of my head or have them in front of me, but I've got to imagine that it's what 1% sub 1% of, of people get to play professional sports in their life. And mm-hmm. the, 
in the two percent to five percent range of other people that play sports are very, very, very talented athletes. Yeah. And when you get very talented athletes together, you can create very cool, innovative, and unique products that provide pretty awesome experience. Absolutely, I agree with that completely. Of one last question: What is one piece of advice to someone that's new and getting into the space now? What's one piece of advice you'd give them? I would just say that, like you know, this is a this is a space where there's a lot of talk around the get rich quick and the buy and sell. But to me, the, the just like any other market, um, in my opinion, the best play is to to bet on good teams with good projects that prove execution that that have demonstrated over and over again that you could, that you can invest in them, and then you stay close to those projects. Like you know, I, I'm a big believer in start start light, make some small bets figure out which ones you have the most conviction on and then go hard. Um, and then, cause the, what, what will happen there is right or wrong. You'll have made a bet based on your conviction and then you can live with that. You know, there's nothing worse than, than like knowing something was right and not taking the swing. Um, and so like, to me, it's like, you know, go with, you know, follow people, read, do your research, but like ultimately go with conviction and find the teams that are really executing and delivering and then ride with those and take some long-term bets and, and, and hold through the winters. Because like I've been here now a decade, I've seen, I've, I've experienced some crazy fluctuations in wealth. And at the end of the day, it's, um, it's the projects and companies that are the most long-term thinking that are in it for the long haul that are building real utility and real products that are going to drive this industry forward that always come out on top. It's nothing different than the than like buying apples and Amazons during the downturns. It's it's very similar. The, the, the tr- find good companies and 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 make big bets when you see when you find a great team. Hearing it from someone with ten years of experience in the space is pretty powerful. So Drew, just want to say thank you for joining us today. Uh, where do where do the people find more information about yourself and about Knights of Knights of I'm, uh, I'm Drew Austin um, at Drew Austin on Twitter. Um, I have an Angelist Syndicate where you know if you're an accredited investor and you want to start making like startup and start building an Angelist portfolio, you can do that right on Angelist. It's Redbeard.ventures. It's free to sign up and you can put investments in tech companies like Genies and sandbox and wilder world and super rare and zed run and dapper labs these are all companies we've invested in and uh you could start with a thousand dollars and work your way up or make lots of bigger bets or whatever you so choose so i think that's a great way for people to start to diversify and get actual equity and 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 token into venture stage early deals you know we're raising a fund now we're raising our fund one which is a you know redbeard ventures fund one um that's going to be a 50 to 70 million dollar fund focused purely on web three so we're you know in the middle of that and then um and then lastly uh you know you can find knights of degen at knights degen on twitter go into our discord um and uh, i think the community is is one of the more welcoming and like engaged communities out there Two enthusiastic sports fans having great back and forth dialogue about the future of NFTs. That'll do it for episode two. Thank you to Drew for jumping on and providing insights from someone with over a decade of experience in the crypto space. Check out more from Drew and the Knights of DGen on Twitter and jump into their Discord for a ton of sports related actions. Thank you to the audience for tuning in. You can talk to me directly at The Real Coop on Twitter. And let me know if there's someone out there that you think we should try to get on the show. For more from us, you can follow Own The Moment NFT. And never forget, there's a lot of life to live both inside and outside of the NFT space. So no matter what happens, just keep living and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>